You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Let's say I'm trying to lurk on you. You know, see what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I can stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. You do that? Not anymore. <laughs> I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages. So no public feeds. And the money is immediately available to use with Apple Pay. Babe, did you just send me a dollar on Apple Cash? I just said our cash isn't content. Shh. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, y'all, it's Kadeen. And DeVal. And guess what? We wrote a whole ass book. That's right, y'all. Our book, We Over Me, the counterintuitive approach to getting everything you want from your relationship, discusses family, parenting, DeVal's favorite topic, sex and intimacy, finances, and commitment with the honesty and raw truth y'all have always gotten from us. We Over Me, the counterintuitive approach to getting everything you want from your relationship is available for pre-order today. That's right. Run, don't walk to www.prh.com slash weovermeme to pre-order your book today. Every decision is not agreed upon, but that doesn't mean that we can't move forward. That is a fact. And when writing this book, We Over Me, I had to make a tough decision to include a particular moment in our life. And I decided to go for it. That ass. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellises. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we mm -hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. So when we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts right now. As you guys know now, we wrote a book. We sure did. Called We Over Me, the counterintuitive approach to getting everything you want out of your relationship. And I remember when Kadeen and I were sitting down, because the book idea was presented to us. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out to Carlos from CAA. Yes. Uh, he reached out through uh, his... Fiance at the time, now wife, uh -huh. Rainy, who went to college with Kadeen and I, reached out and said, hey, Carlos wants to talk to you guys about a possible project. Let's see if you're interested. So Carlos came to us and said, I have a couple publishers who are interested in you guys writing a book about your relationship. What do you guys think? And I was like, nah, at first. 
And they were like, what you mean? Nah. And I was just like, we have a podcast. We utilize our social media. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we have a travel show that's out now with the boys. I feel like we've shared a lot. Like, I don't really think there's anything that we haven't shared with everyone on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And Kadeen was like, eh, that's not true. And I was like, what you mean? We have shared everything. And she was like, no, we haven't. And when I started to look in her eyes, I could tell what she wanted to share. And at first I was like, there's no way she wants to share this because this is something that she and I went through uh, at a particular time in our life. And we're, we're not going to disclose that. We'll let you guys read the book to see uh, what we're talking about. But I looked at Kay and I said, is it what I think it is? And Kadeen looked at me and said, yeah, I want to talk about the abortion. So thinking about this entire book journey and what it looked like for us, it really called for us to pull on some vivid, some not so vivid, yeah. some painfully vivid moments in our life. And what I've realized over the course of our life is that together, at least in the past 20 years, memories are going to be memories, right? Yeah. There are moments that happen in our life. So whether they're good or bad, it's the memories we have, right? So that brings me to <laughs> memories don't live like people do. They always remember you. Whether things are good or bad, it's just the memories that you have. I'll be the sing, say, hey. Boy, stop, live on the past. Just remember when man I ride us. Oh God, I wasn't prepared to go all the way into it, but I know yes, he wasn't, but memories that's one of my don't favorite songs. Listen, memories, good or bad, they were, they are what they are. All right, let's take a quick break. We're gonna get into the meat of the show where we talk about we over me and some of the decisions that we had to make in this book writing process. Yes, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, y'all, losing two loved ones in a matter of six months, it can be a lot. And a lot of times when you're dealing with grief, you have a lot to get off your chest with your family. That's absolutely right. You know, people carry around all different types of stresses, big and small. When you keep them bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to kind of figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash deadass today to get 10% off your first visit. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash deadass. Hey, what's good, y'all? I think it's important for you to understand why black representation in media is important. It's important because... The media represents how people view us, and it's important that they understand that black people are not a monolithic people. That is a fact, and the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truth. Black Stories, Black Truth is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today— Told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Schmurter to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. 
In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Let's say I'm trying to lurk on you. You know, see what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I can stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. You do that? Not anymore. <laughs> I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages. So no public feeds. And the money is immediately available to use with Apple Pay. Babe, did you just send me a dollar on Apple Cash? I just said our cash isn't content. Shh. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. All right, ladies, let's be real. Who here actually enjoys shaving their legs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. And get this. Near, yes, Near, the OG that I used for years, has now leveled up. And they have these new sensational shower creams and body creams that smell amazing. My personal favorite, coconut oil and vitamin E because it's gentle on my skin. And down to the body cream, rich cocoa butter and vitamin E body cream, which is a modern take on indulgent and classic femininity. Okay? It works in as little as three minutes, no nicks, no cuts, and the smooth skin lasts days longer than shaving. Nair's new sensational shower and body creams are free of all those nasty chemicals so you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin. Have a me-time moment with Nair, the number one hair removal brand. Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated Nair body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. Was that a little bomb dropped for everybody? Um, I think it was, uh, mainly mm-hmm. because abortion has become a hot-button topic in oh, America my goodness. as of late. Absolutely. Uh, because of the laws that are changing. Mm-hmm to reverse a woman's a woman's right to choose whether or not she wants to go through with a full-term pregnancy. Absolutely. Um, it's wild to me. <laughs> it's wild yeah, to me it is. Um, that this is even a conversation that we're having now um, with Roe versus Wade having been overturned in yes. some states. Um, men particularly feeling like they have the right to even dictate what a woman does with the body. So this is not even going to be like a pro-choice, pro-life conversation because that's not something that we feel like we need to discuss openly with people because that's a personal decision. And and for full disclosure, I think everyone has the right to be pro-choice or pro-life. Right. Oh, for sure. I I honestly feel like we as people are allowed to, are should be allowed to not agree without spewing hate at each other mm-hmm. or not being given a title. Right. You However, I do feel like overarching with the decision of whether you want to be pro-choice or pro-life as a woman, and speaking for, I feel like a lot of women, we should just ultimately be given the choice to do with our bodies what we want. I'm in agreement with that. And um, I I would say that growing up, I've always been like a pro-life person. Mm-hmm. But as we've experienced four childbirths, mm-hmm. how could you be pro-life without considering the life of the mom? For sure. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So my perspective has definitely changed. And I feel like having the choice is definitely the main 
like the main point that should be driven home because we're at a point now where we're giving people the choice to do whatever they want. You can choose your gender. Mm-hmm. You can choose your sex. You can choose everything. But now you're telling me that a woman doesn't have the right to choose even if they're raped or even if it could cause a woman her life. For sure. Or cause a woman to lose her life. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a choice to decide. Right. I feel like that's unfair. A little bit extreme, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Deval and I, in the book, we detail what transpired at that particular point in our life. Yeah. Um, and in this episode, we didn't really want to dive too much into the details of it because that's the whole point of the book, right? So y'all can look at it and you can read it and you can see, you know, a detailed explanation of what he and I were feeling. And yeah. the great thing about the book and the way it was written is that it really gives particular points in our lives and it gives both of our perspectives, yes. right? So Deval and I, when we were talking about this topic, he said something that really just kind of it just reiterated to me in that moment how much of a team and a unit we are. And you said, you know, when we discuss our abortion and he never put it on just me and said that time you had an abortion. It was when we made the decision to have our abortion. Because a lot of times I feel like you hear these stories about women who sit with someone you know, procreate with someone and then in turn feel very alone because they feel like now the onus is just on them to make a decision either way. Or the woman feels like I'm going to make this decision solely without necessarily considering or consulting how the father of this child may feel. I was going to say that as well. Right. So it's it's very, very two-sided. So I appreciate that to this day, and even in that moment, um, you were very adamant about speaking about us as a unit because this was a decision that we ultimately made together. Yes, and that's and that's the whole point of we over me is mm-hmm. that there is no decision that's just you. There's no singular decision anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important too because speaking on behalf of some men, you can't make that decision on your own mm-hmm. if it's something we've done together. So you can't say this is something we've done together, but then the decision is ultimately mine. Mm-hmm. But I do understand, though, that it is your body. Mm-hmm. So we sat down and we had a very, very tough conversation. And when you get into the book and you hear how she felt and you hear how I, how I felt, you can actually understand both arguments. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it's not about arguments and it's not about being right. It's about what's doing what's best for all three of us in that moment. For sure. Um, I also feel like it was necessary. So people may ask me why I wanted to discuss this. And it's probably going to be like a bombshell for our families too. Yes, because absolutely. no one really in our families knew that no. this transpired. And in part because of the point that we were in our life, um, we were younger and it was a part of the ridicule that we felt like we might have yeah. gotten, um, the shame, the backlash, Um, I think it was one of those things where we also ultimately knew that we weren't conducting ourselves in the most careful manner. Yeah, we weren't responsible. Right. So it's almost as if we were going to be getting the fingers pointed at you like you should have done that. I told you so. And it's easy for everything to be or for everyone to be reactive in moments like that, where I felt like if we discuss this now, it might prompt people to be more proactive about how they are proceeding with their sexual life. I'm in agreement with you. And that's why when it came time to have this discussion and you wanted to share, it, it also wasn't a thing where Kadeem was like, well, I'm sharing because it's my body. Mm-hmm. It was always we mm-hmm. and us. Mm-hmm. She asked me how I felt. 
And I'm going to tell you what made me feel comfortable. I can't say who. I can't say names. Mm -hmm. Because also I'm trying to respect people's privacy. Mm -hmm. But I did speak to some members of my family. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say whether it was men or women. Mm -hmm. And I said, um, I'm just going to let you guys know that Kadeen and I are choosing to speak on this topic because this is what we experienced. And I had a resounding, a resounding amount of family members that said, we've been there as well. Mm. And I was like, what? Like, wait, like, <laughs> what? Like you, right. because I grew up in a Southern Baptist family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you hear, like, you don't talk about sex in the Southern Baptist families, let alone an abortion. Mm -hmm. And I remember the ridicule my brother and his girlfriend at the time, who were 17, received from having a child. Mm -hmm. And I felt like just because of the way my family was and the way we grew up, that this couldn't have possibly have ever happened to anybody, anybody. else in my oh, family. No. Right. So to, to speak to the people I spoke to mm -hmm. of various ages, mm -hmm. different generations, mm -hmm. and hearing them say, sweetheart, we went through the same thing. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah. But then it was also, why didn't you guys speak to us about sex before we got to this situation so we knew how to move responsibly? Yeah. So that made me feel like we now have a responsibility to share our story. Absolutely. Hopefully it will save another young couple from going through what we went through in that moment, feeling the shame and the ridicule, even leading up to having the mm -hmm. conversation about whether or not we were going to go through it or not. Absolutely. And I think I share the same sentiment in having a very similar family structure or makeup where, you know, my mom's side particularly raised Seventh-day Adventists. My uncle's a pastor. Like my aunt is still very, very active in the church with her family. And there was just no way, A, that sex was really discussed in entirety. Um, there's a lot of things that I was just left to kind of figure out on my own or kind of lean on like an older cousin or a friend to figure out. And as we became parents, too, we realized the value in making sure that we now will have those candid conversations with our children, of course, in an age appropriate way and a timely manner. Like right. the conversations are naturally going to progress into things that are a little bit more detailed. Yep. And, you know, how the how to's and the what to watch out for's are going to be that much more detailed as Absolutely. our boys get older. Um, but it's also making sure, particularly as we raise four boys that they understand the female anatomy and how the woman's yes. body works and how their body works. And there's so many different things that need to be unpacked. And I didn't particularly feel comfortable having those conversations early on. So recently, um, even had a conversation with my mom and she and I have just had now in my, I wouldn't say older age, she and I have developed a really, a really just a way better line of communication because I think she understands now how I, in learning from you how to be transparent and communicate, um, it's helped our yes. relationship yes. so much more. And I think she in turn feels comfortable speaking about a lot of things that she wouldn't have before. Right. Um, and I can still see sometimes discomfort in the way she approaches things, you know, but it's better. And she's making an effort. And I love that about where we are in our relationship. Um and I was speaking to her about, you know, a gripe that I had with a family member and whatnot. And I was just like, you know, why, why aren't conversations just had? Like, what is the, 
what is the what is the complexity around just mustering up the gall or the strength to have the conversation you know that's uncomfortable? You know what it is. And a lot of times it's well, what is it? What do you think? Shame it is? and judgment. Shame and judgment. That's all it is. Shame and judgment. Absolutely. Which, which is killing me in this day and age, especially with social media, right? We talked about this before. A young lady sent me an email. Why would you share this conversation mm-hmm. with you and your son? Mm-hmm. Right? What is the purpose of life? Is the purpose of life to obtain as much materialistic things so you can flaunt in front of everybody else? Is that the perfect of right. life? No, that's not the perfect the, or to, the purpose of life. Or to learn as many things or as many ideas and then just hold it to yourself. So right. that you have the wealth of right. knowledge, quote unquote, and nobody else does. Right. Is, is it just a right? Not just material things, but to obtain as much knowledge as possible to keep it to yourself, to prove that you're smarter than everyone else? No, Mm -hmm. that's not the purpose of life. The purpose of life is to view the world in its entirety Mm -hmm. from as many different perspectives as as possible Mm -hmm. so that you can obtain knowledge and Mm -hmm. then share it Mm -hmm. so that the next generation can be better than you. Like, to me, that's the whole purpose of life. Right. So when you go through something in your life, it's not to keep it secret. So that no one can judge you. Mm-hmm. It's to share it so that the hope is you help someone. Mm-hmm. And when you when you say you're going to help someone, you can't then dictate how you're going to help them. Right. For example, we're sharing about our abortion. I'm not going to this saying, I'm sharing this story hoping that no one never gets an abortion ever. Right. Or I'm not saying that I... I share this hoping that they ban abortions because no. Or I'm, I'm sharing, not sharing it hoping that people will agree with our decision or not. Right. Or then me or you potentially feeling like we're going to be shamed or ridiculed for sharing our story. Right. Or, you know, people saying, you know what, Kadeen, I don't agree with the fact that you had this abortion. So now, therefore, I'm going to unfollow you because right. I don't believe in that. And I'm pro, pro-life. Like, that's something that I've considered, too. Right. But then also in us realizing that we're in a space where we choose to share and then y'all can take it or leave it. You know, people are going to support regardless. And if that's a choice that somebody decides to make because I'm being transparent, then that's on them. And, and That's be, not on me. And to be honest, that's the purpose of sharing. Mm-hmm. The purpose of sharing is so someone can listen to the story and then make an objective decision, hopefully, hopefully an objective decision mm-hmm. about how they want to live their life moving forward. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean, and the reason why I say objective decision is because I'm trying to be objective on the fact that I know Everyone is not going to agree with our decision, one, to have one, and then two, share it. Of course. So we've already come to terms with that, and I think people need to understand what's the purpose. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason why I chose to share is because I remember how I felt as a young man going through that Mm -hmm. and not feeling like I had anyone to talk to. Because I felt like I was the only one ever in life that went through this, even though I knew that I wasn't. Right. I felt like I was, and I felt alone, and I did also feel like, what if I was doing something that was going to ultimately harm my girlfriend? Mm-hmm. If I had more information from people who went through it, I would know the right way to do things. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And if I had more information, I could have took the right precautions to not even be in this predicament, which to me is why people should share their stories. Absolutely. So that the next generation doesn't even have to have these conversations because we've taken the necessary precautions to not be here. Yep, Absolutely. So going back to this conversation that I had recently with my mom, I was asking about like, why is it, and you know, like you said, probably shame, um, probably fear of judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also apparently in prior generations to my generation, just this idea of within my family, at least I can't speak for everyone's family, but my mom pretty much said like, they're from an era where you just forget about things. Yeah. Like you just, you just hope things will blow over. 
let bygones be bygones. Just, you know, sweep it under the rug and move on. And there's so much detriment in that, that mentality because nothing is ever resolved. Like that root of the problem is never discussed. It's never unhashed. And it's a complete and total disregard for how someone feels. Absolutely. So my response to that is like, okay, so no one's going to take into account how I may feel about it. You want to hear how I feel because you just want to know. Right. How I may feel about something, but you're not even going to then say, validate my feelings or say, you know what? You may have mistaken Mm -hmm. how things transpired. And I just, just hate that that's the rhetoric around, um, some of my family dynamic. Mm -hmm. And that in turn forced me to feel like I was very alone in this situation. There we go. Aside from having you, because there was just no way that I was going to be able to speak to anyone about this. So and you didn't speak to anyone in your family, no women about no it. No women in my family about it, other than an older cousin, who at that point was only maybe, what, two, three years older than me. So it's not even like I was getting um, guidance from someone who necessarily had, I think she had gone through something similar. Yeah, She might have had one in her life too, but it's also too like, you know, she's not an adult per se. You know, she's right. kind of like my peer, yeah. um, almost like a little older sister but nobody who really could have pointed me in the right direction. Like I could have caused harm to myself, not going to the right place, not seeking out the right resources, not having to heal after it um, mentally and emotionally knowing how to deal with something like that. Like that's a lot of things that she wasn't even privy to or was able to help me through. Um, Years later, I had divulged this to one family member who I felt like I could just trust and just, you know, after the fact, you're just like, yo, like I went through this. And she, she said to me, like, I really wish in that moment you would have felt comfortable coming to me. And her relationship with me got stronger after the fact, because as she saw I was getting older and she kind of realized I didn't have those outlets to be very transparent with I felt more comfortable over the years because she developed a relationship with me where I felt comfortable enough to do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just hoping that you and I can do that for generations to come. Like, I feel like my sister or your sister, um, our nieces, you know, godchildren can come to us and say, man, you know, Auntie Kadena and Uncle DeVal will never judge us for the decisions that we make. Or hopefully they can feel comfortable having the conversations before they even make these decisions. And those are just the things that we were lacking in those moments. Um, so, yeah, it was one of those things where I, we just felt very alone. But the little support that we did have from someone in your corner. My dad knew. Yeah. Your, oh, your dad did know. You're mm-hmm. right. Your dad did know. I, I forgot about dad. that. I yeah. I told my dad because, yeah. one, I needed the finances to True. let it happen. But also, I've always had a relationship with my father where he never judged me. Mm-hmm. Like, so even I, though you never had the conversations about sex openly. No. Like, like here's, here's the truth about my parents. My parents were always very open with having conversations. Mm. Uh, a lot of us not, not having conversations was in part because I didn't know how to start having those conversations. I was a child. Mm-hmm. And you expect your parents to bring some of these conversations to you because you're like, I'm around that age. They should be talking to me. But my parents yeah. never did. And what happened was my brother ended up having a baby at 17. Mm-hmm. And I was actively having sex at 15. Mm-hmm. So it was just like... You out there doing stuff. You're doing grown adult stuff mm-hmm. and no one's there talking to you about it. But when yeah. my back was against the wall, I could always go to my pops. Mm. And my pops never judged me. The first mm-hmm. thing he always asked was, how's, how's Kay? Like, how is, how is she? Like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. He was always there to help me through the process. And yeah. I'm looking to build that type of relationship with my children because even though we felt alone, I never really felt alone mm. because I could run to my pops. Right. 
And I knew that my pops, my pops is not a judgmental person. Now, my mm-hmm. pops is a deacon in the church. Right. And he grew up and, and he, at the time, I was a young adult. Mm-hmm. So he also didn't force his beliefs and thoughts and ideas on me. Mm. That's very atypical of someone who's grown up in the church. Right. <laughs> right. He, like, he didn't say, well, you know, and scold me. He, he just said, okay, um, how is Kadeem? As I told him how you, I told him how you was. He asked me, you know, what the thought process was. I told him how I felt. Mm-hmm. And I also told him that you and I didn't agree. Mm-hmm. And he was like, do you want me to disclose, disclose who wanted to and who didn't want to? You want me to wait for the book? I think I should wait for the book. Okay. Well, okay. We'll we'll let you guys mm-hmm. wait for the for the book. Um, but Kadeen and I didn't agree on no. what we were going to do, we and didn't. we couldn't come to an agreement Mm-mm. at all. So ultimately, the decision was made. But the thing that made me feel good was that both of us were constantly thinking about the other person always at all times. It's the wildest thing to me. <laughs> like. Like, I, I remember thinking pros and cons, pros and cons, but I just want my baby to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then it was almost to a point where, well, I, I remember saying this, man, fuck it. Whatever's going to make my baby okay, I'm doing it. Like, all my beliefs that went out the window, all mm-hmm. my thoughts, all my ideas, because you have all these ideas as a man mm-hmm. and as a person about mm-hmm. how you're going to handle this situation until you get until into the situation there. with someone you care about. Right. And then they start talking to you about what they believe. Mm-hmm. And then you like, all right, well, whatever's going to make you okay and make you happy and, and make, I just want you to be okay. And that's what it came down to to me was like, Kadeen has to be okay because I also felt indebted to your parents. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I was responsible for you. Even mm-hmm. though we were young at the time, I was mm-hmm. like, this, I, this is my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And also... I sat, I laid down with this woman and we made adult decisions to do adult things. So I have to now act as an adult and mm-hmm. I have to take care of this woman. So mm-hmm. whatever's going to make her okay, I'm going to rock with it. You know what I realized by you been just saying this early on? And this goes back to the miscommunication episode that we have that you guys, I don't know if you will have heard this yeah. yet by the time this airs. But even in that miscommunication episode, 20 years later, <laughs> Right. Having a full-blown argument. Yep. Ultimately, we were still worried about what the other person was feeling in that moment. Like, with the Soul Train episode, it was just like, I mean, the Soul Train Awards and you going, even though I didn't feel good, it's just like, but I want him to go experience that. And you were just like, man, I don't feel good. She's in Jamaica, but I'm going to be all right because, you know, I want her to have a good time. Like, that's how we both felt in those moments. Yeah. And that was probably the earliest time in our life that was probably the earliest time in our relationship where we were, I know we always talk about constantly communicating and, and the lack thereof sometimes, especially on my part, but we were really effective communicators we were. when it came down to that. I think like, like we both gained a level of maturity in that entire interaction that really made me feel like, man, regardless of what I decide to do here, yeah, he got my back. Facts. Like, I felt he the same got my way. back, you know? When when you guys read the details of what we were going through during that time and what was going on, and you hear how each of us were so concerned about the other, especially during this moment of our life, mm-hmm. you, you're going to be like, that's that's kind of mature right. for two young kids. And it also made me realize, you know how we moved forward through this? 
I didn't say she over me, and you didn't say he over me. Mm -hmm. We both said we over me. Early on. Because there's a difference between we over me and he over me. Mm -hmm. If you constantly put your partner over you, mm -hmm. you're, oh, you're still isolating one singular person over the betterment of the group. Very true. And after a while, that builds resentment, mm -hmm. right? When we talked about the, uh, the episode about miscommunication. The biggest miscommunication was that I was constantly putting you over me. Mm -hmm. And at times you were putting me over you and we weren't expressing how we felt. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until we were able to say, oh, well, we both collectively want this. So let's find out what's the best decision in the what, what decision is the best interest of both of us. And not just one of us. Yeah. Even just in selecting the book title, we had to rework it a couple of times. Um, we had some ideas in the very beginning, some kind of preliminary ideas. Yeah. You know, we were thinking like, oh, you know, Deval and Kadena, Brooklyn Love Story. Like what would resonate with people who didn't even know us? Because if our book is going to be in bookstores and stuff like that, there are going to yeah. be people that we're going to be exposed to that may not even know who we for are. the first time, yeah. And one title that kept coming up for the two of us was You're All I Need. Yep. And we really liked it because that's a song that you play a lot. Yeah, Mary J. Blige um, and Method Man. Yeah, and, it's, and it was kind of reminiscent of just like us, us right? Yeah. Um, but the feedback that we were getting from the publishers and stuff, they were saying like, you know, you're all I need puts the onus just on one person. Right. You know, there's not like necessarily a togetherness or it's just saying right. like you're all I need in order to be happy or you're all I need to, in order to thrive when we all right. know that that's not the case. Like right. you have to find right. that internally. So we had to rework the title a couple of times and then finally DeVal came up with We Over, we me. Over me. And we were like, wow, that really stuck. And then it was trying to figure out then the subtitle. Um, and I think in saying the counterintuitive approach to getting everything you want for from your relationship, um, was that something you came up with or was that the producer? I'm trying to no, remember No, that, that was me. That was something, uh, the whole title was <laughs> me actually. Let me just pat myself well, explain that to people because some people have been asking, like, you know, what, like, where'd you come up with that title? So I came up with it because I feel like everything we discuss, especially when it comes to building a relationship, is counterintuitive to what we've been hearing recently through social media. Mm -hmm. Through social media, what you hear a lot of is I have a list, I want these things, I demand these things, I need to find someone who can check the boxes on all the stuff that I desire in my life. And there's someone out there who will match all of the stuff that I need. And I, I is just like, bro, bro, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Whether you're a woman or a man, it doesn't matter if you're only concerned about yourself. Mm -hmm. You can never exist fully in a relationship that's going to serve both parties. Mm -hmm. So I was like, realistically, our relationship is extremely counterintuitive, right? Because yeah. there's other parts of the book where we became closer when my focus was no longer on me. Mm -hmm. My focus was on you. Mm -hmm. For example, I gave you this analogy in the car the other day. I said, you know, I realized that marriage is a lot like philanthropy. Oh, yes. I remember this right? conversation we had. So We'd be having these real in-depth conversations in the car on the way do. to the gym and whatnot. <laughs> we do. That's how, that's how we, we stay together. We laugh at each other. We, we bounce ideas off each other. But yeah. to be a philanthropist is to be... To be empty and to be empty in the idea of everything is about you. Mm -hmm. This is about someone else. Mm -hmm. So in order to fully be a philanthropist, you have to have your shit together at home, right? Mm -hmm. You can't really help other people unless you're fulfilled, mm -hmm. right? And if you live in abundance and you feel secure, then you can say, I'm in a position to help other people. I feel like getting into a relationship is a lot like philanthropy because 
in order to fully be in a relationship, you have to have your home together. Mm-hmm. And when I mean your home, I'm talking about your spirit, your soul, and so you the can person be, as an individual. The person as an individual yeah. is looking to be of service to people. I'm so fulfilled in who I am as mm-hmm. an individual mm-hmm. that I can be of service to someone else. Mm-hmm. That's counterintuitive to what we're saying in relationships relationships a lot because most people are, are looking for someone to complete them. Mm-hmm. I need to find someone to fill the gaps in the parts of the lives that I don't, I'm not good at. Mm. And then when a person misses a gap, it's like, oh, you're not good enough. You don't fulfill that gap. Right. Whereas to me, if you think about philanthropy, you don't go out in the world saying I'm going to help people and these people better fill the gaps and when I'm helping them. It's like, no, I'm fulfilled in my life and I want to help people. Mm-hmm. But philanthropy is also a business, mm-hmm. just like marriage is a business. That's a fact. Right. So you also have to help people, but you can't help people unless you have everything around you in place Mm-hmm. To help people without expecting something in, in return. return. That's the biggest part for you me that resonated saying? with it. Yeah, it's it's the the expecting something in return portion. Right. My thing is with philanthropy, for example, you're going out there to help, right? So you mm-hmm. help, you donate time, you donate resources, yep. you donate. And the feeling of fulfillment that you get is sometimes not even tangible, right? It's not right. like I can, it's a material thing that I'm necessarily getting from this act of kindness it's just me feeling within my soul or within my spirit that I'm doing a good deed to help someone else. Yes. And marriage is so much like that. Yes. Like, yeah, there are benefits to being married, right? In the business portion of it, you build a business. Like, for example, we did. Right. We're benefiting, yes, financially from the partnership yes. that we have. Um, but ultimately, when those things go awry, when the business ain't business in, Mm-hmm. When times are hard, uh-huh. when money is low, like what's the one thing that's consistently consistently saved us over the years was the feeling. Our, our feeling, our love for each other. The feeling and the love for each other that we have. And I've always heard uh, my mom say like, love don't pay the bills, right. right? But the love that we have is enough to sustain us. Yes. Through the moments where the bills might not be getting paid easily, but right, right. at least we feel good knowing that we're in this rut together and you're not alone. Well, well, think about this too. Even with philanthropy, you don't just choose a random cause. True. You have to have discernment about a cause that matters that to you. That makes sense for you, yeah. It's the same thing with people. Mm-hmm. When you're choosing to get married, you don't just choose anybody. Mm-hmm. You have to have discernment about a cause that means something and matters to you and, and also use discernment to know that that person is also a philanthropist in their own right. Mm-hmm. And they want to be of service to you. And to me, I felt like speaking about the abortion and speaking about the other topics, because there were so many other topics we spoke about in the book, it also allowed us to show people how our spirits have always been to serve the other person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's never been about me. And in the moments where it's been about me is where we've often gone astray. Yeah. That's what's so counterintuitive, right? right? So many people get married because it's about me. Mm-hmm. What can I gain from being married as opposed to saying, what can I offer someone else as a spouse? And think about the moments over our life where the, sh- the focus was shifted to be about me. Me. Like you in that moment was like, well, I need this. I need that. I'm going to yeah. do this for me. And I felt like, you know what? I need this. I'm going to do this for me. That's usually when things fell apart for yeah, whatever absolutely. reason. Yeah. Because the selfishness that occurred or the, the 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 lack of consideration for the other person or not even that, it's just saying this is what society has deemed normal to transpire in a relationship or a marriage. This is what a husband or a wife is supposed to do. Right. So let me just do this aimlessly 
thinking I'm doing a good job Absolutely. because that's what everybody said I should be doing, but it doesn't even serve you in the way that you need to be served. Absolutely. I think about how many people suffer in their marriages for that reason. Right. Because they're so concerned about what, you know, the patriarchy says. You're so concerned about what the church says. You're so concerned about what, you know, you've seen growing up that just does not suit your needs in that moment. And this is what's crazy about us speaking about the abortion. Everything we just talked about being of service to each other, right? As taboo as abortions have been, right? Mm -hmm. Facts and stats from Tribble. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> abortion is a common health intervention. It is safe when carried out using a method recommended by WHO, WHU, World Health Organization, appropriate mm -hmm. to the pregnancy duration and by someone with the necessary skills. Mm -hmm. Six out of 10 of all unintended pregnancies end in an induced abortion. Six out of 10, that's 60%. 60%. Three out of 10 of all pregnancies are terminated. 59% of women obtaining abortions are mothers. And 24% of American women will have an abortion by 45. That's so, interesting. As common as abortions are, it baffles my mind that it is so taboo to talk about. <laughs> and, and then people wonder why when we have these discussions about abortions, it's so radicalized and it's so polarizing because mm -hmm. people don't just share their experiences and what their thoughts are and they can't do it in this day and age without feeling judged, condemned, and shamed. You can't share nothing nowadays without, like you just have to know, like if you're going to share something, yeah, you're just going to have to know that you're just going to share it because you want to and whatever feedback you Absolutely. get, however people take it, unsolicited advice, unsolicited comments, it's just going to be what it is. Absolutely. It's just going to be what it is. So it's crazy with these kind of statistics that that's where we are. And there's so many things around women's health um, that are not, that's not discussed. It's not just abortion, there's infertility right. Right. that no one's talking about. The struggles with that, um, fibroids, particularly things that plague right. Um, African-American or women from other ethnicities other than white, things that, that are plaguing our community right. that we just don't talk about. And that's so right. much of the generational trickle down of not feeling comfortable having these conversations because of shame. Um, in part why, shout out to my sister, Sakari, who's an RN. Um, she's advancing her studies now and she's in uh, in grad school getting her master's in women's health because she sees the deficit there um, and how there's just a lack of education and a lack of support around African-American women having that voice or yeah. having that presence. Um, you know, just even when you go to the clinic or you go to the doctor, it's like us, for example, now are in a space where we're seeking out black doctors, black dentists, black pediatrician, black, you know, yeah. we want to make sure that when we walk into these rooms, into these offices and we may potentially have a problem or you just going for your physical or a checkup, that is someone who looks like you who may yeah. understand your particular struggles. Absolutely. Um, and things that you may be predisposed to. So I'm, I'm um, looking at some of these questions mm -hmm. that Tribble presented. Some of these we're not going to discuss because they're in the book. And of course, we want you guys to purchase the book. Mm -hmm. A hard copy, definitely, because that will help us get on the New York Times bestsellers yeah, list. Yeah, baby, we're on So go our out way. there and purchase that hard copy. Yes, but put us on your mantle or something, on the bookshelf. <laughs> there, there are a couple questions here mm -hmm. that I do want to answer. For example, did this decision affect your relationship in any way? Mm -hmm. Yes, it did. And if I'm being honest, it made us closer. Which is insane because we didn't agree. No, necessarily. we didn't agree. We didn't agree. And we don't want to get too much into whose perspective was what. Yeah. But we didn't agree and we were able to make make it through and come through stronger. And 
that resonated with me because so many times relationships are dismantled through tragedy, mm-hmm. right? Or dismantled through a, a tough, stressful situation. But in this situation, it made us a lot closer because we learned that we we could trust each other, mm-hmm. we could rely on each other, and that we always care about each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there was no point during this whole time where there was an argument where it was just like, well, I believe in... And you're not considering my feelings. No, I don't ever at any point feel like once. you never considered my feelings. Right. Not one time. Right. Not at all. And that was the earliest, you know, we speak so much about being of service to someone. That was the earliest moment where I think we did ourselves a disservice by not acting in a um, careful manner. Absolutely. So we were both doing ourselves a disservice as yeah. a group collectively or as a couple collectively yeah. and as individuals. But we did so much of a service to each other by being able to like really have such a adult conversation at such a young age to figure out what was going to make the most sense for us moving forward. So, yeah. There's another question here. It says, how does this conversation around abortion affect you now? And do you think this should be a political issue? Let me ask you as a woman, do you think abortion should be a political issue? Absolutely (laughs) not. You answered that so fast. Like there's just no, there's, there is no like like politics and a woman's body and her right to decide what happens to her body should never be a political issue. What should be an issue that when it comes to politics, law, all that, is when instances like that happen and a woman is raped, for example. Right. And she's forced to now bring forth this child who was conceived through rape. And then it's like, what measures are going to be taken to um, hold this person accountable who raped her? And then you're potentially going to give him rights to this child, too, at the same time. Like, it's just so much. It's so convoluted to me at this point um, that nothing when it comes to a woman's body should ever be a part of a political debate. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I, like I just, I don't even have much more to say about it because I'm just, it's just a hard, it's just a hard no. It's a hard no for me. It is a hard no for me. That's a medical decision that should be made between a woman and her provider and whoever the provider is. And doctors are are shamed for it too. Like you just can't, you can't be an OBGYN that's walking around here saying, "Yeah, yeah, I do this at my clinic. Like, when we when this happened for us years ago, it might have been in a time where that was something that was offered and it was a little right. bit more right. um, accessible. accessible yeah. um, you know, now you have places like Planned Parenthood and people have more options too nowadays. Um, I feel like in having the talk about things like this, there are other options. Like there's the Plan B pill now, which I don't think was available when we were no, going through this. No. That wasn't like an option now too. Um, so there are different routes that people can take right. to ensure that, you know, before this even becomes a situation where I need to seek out a termination, right. I have these resources that I can try ahead of time. Um, I don't think it should be a political issue. And the conversation around it affecting me now, it just further reiterates to me that it's such a personal decision. Right. It is really such a personal decision. Right. Um, but like I said early on in the conversation, that it's not just a personal decision for the woman I feel like the person who got you there or y'all did this together, yeah. there should also be a conversation between both of you of what, uh, on what should be done or what the next steps will be taken. So if you do decide to go forward and have a baby, right, what does that conversation look like between you and the father of this child? Are you considering what he's also thinking and feeling in this moment? You know, there's a lot yeah. of different um, yeah. conversations that need to happen yeah. because it's, as much as it's a woman's right to her body and a right to her choice— she didn't get here alone. Absolutely. How did you feel as a guy in this? Like, you know, you're, you said before, like pregnancy is not a thing that you have to necessarily go through, right? So you don't have to stop your life for anything really. Right. Um. So like in that moment as a man or as a, a young man, 
were you conflicted at all with how to even approach me in the conversation to say how you really felt genuinely? It's interesting to hear, to have to answer that question now because I'm going to be 39 this year, a father of four boys. So my perspective has changed mm-hmm. a lot. Um, mainly because I've also seen the effects that pregnancy has had on you, mm-hmm. you know, almost uh, losing you twice. Mm-hmm. So uh, that puts me at 50% of mm-hmm. the time when you were mm-hmm. pregnant, there was a chance that you could have no longer been here. Mm-hmm. So these are things that I think people who are having opinions about abortions don't consider because a lot of people have opinions without having real world experience. Mm-hmm. For example, there's no way in the world a man that is pro-life mm-hmm. would say to her, his wife, knock on wood, quote, unquote, who was raped, for example, mm-hmm. you have to have that baby and your rapist is going to have rights over the child that he forcibly put into your body. So now you're not mm-hmm. only being raped once, you're being raped over and over and over again by the state because now the state is giving the rapist Mm-hmm. more rights over your body than, than you. you. You know Wild. what I'm saying? Like, if you really just think about that, Wild. there's no way a sane person, mm-hmm. man, could say that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Young DeVal, before having kids, before seeing what pregnancy can do to a woman's body, was more along the lines of, I'm pro-life. We don't know what this life is going to be. Mm-hmm. Why, how could we take this life away before seeing what this could be the next president of the United States? Right. You know what that I'm saying? That was like one of the pros that was one of the yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the things that I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I love her and she loves me and everything's going to be fine. Right. And we can figure it out. Yeah, yeah, like, you can figure yeah. it out. Like, it, it, to me, it, it's hard to ask people to have an objective idea or thought about this mm-hmm. because it is so like singular when it comes to what decision needs to be made for what woman, Mm -hmm. which is why it should be a personal decision based on that circumstance. Exactly. Like casting a wide net over all women saying all women shouldn't be allowed to do something to me. Seems like it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So as a man, and I hate talking about this topic because I feel like men shouldn't even have an opinion on something that's so personal to women, Mm -hmm. because here's the thing. Men would hate it if a, if women came up with a law that said you have to get a vasectomy by this time. Listen. You know what I'm saying? Listen. Like, think about it. Think, just think about that. If we're going to control all women's reproductive organs, imagine a, a council of women and said, well, we're all going to get together now. And all men past the ages of 35, if you don't plan on having children, you got to go get a vasectomy. <laughs> think about that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, 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 think about that. Absolutely. Or what if a, a young man is has testicular cancer? And I, I remember one of my teammates in college had testicular cancer and he had to remove one of his uh, nuts, right? Mm-hmm. What if the rule was you can't do that surgery because that would limit your ability to reproduce so you have to live with the cancer and possibly die? Because that's what they're doing to women now. Some women have to make a choice. If I have this child, I could lose my life. And now they're saying, well... You don't get a chance to choose your life or the fetus's life. You right. have to go through it and see what happens. Even though this may be a topic and it's going to rupture your whole fallopian tube right. and you'll die. Which has happened like, in America. Wild. There have been young women who have lost their life because they couldn't get abortions. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that's just par for the course. Imagine, 
imagine a, a council of women telling men, hey, listen, I know you got testicular cancer and you don't plan on using your balls, but because of reproductive health politics, you can't get the surgery to remove it and you got to see what happens with the cancer. Men would go crazy. That's a whole but, fact. But it's the, the truth, though. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like people need to understand that every situation is isolated and mm -hmm. different. And it should be left up to the people who are making the decision. And when I say people, it shouldn't just be left to the woman. Because right. two people sat down. Right. And, and decided. Unless mm -hmm. it was forced on the woman. For sure. If it's forced on the woman, she didn't have a choice. So now, since she didn't have a choice, my mans, you, you don't have, have a choice. choice. That's you put something in her body, she should decide. That's how I feel about it, honestly. Mm -hmm. But I do also feel like speaking about abortions as a man is mansplaining at its highest level, bro. <laughs> Facts. And women you know are under saying? attack, my nigga. Like, and it's it's hard. Come on now. Women are under attack. Like It's, it, it's ridiculous. It's, it's hard to even watch. Like When I watch some of the debates, I'm like, is this really a debate? I know. Like, I know. Really? I know. But I, I know. do want to applaud you because we need to go take a break. Yes. I do want to applaud you for being brave enough to say... And this is what she said to me, babe, I may get some scrutiny. I may lose some followers. I may lose a following. I don't care. Don't care. I wish I had someone to speak out on what they were going through before I even got pregnant. That's a fact. So I'm going to do that. Absolutely. So I want to I just hope that, that, baby. Thank you, baby. I just hope that it can help somebody because that's the whole point of why we do what we do. Um, and that's the whole point of us trying to be vulnerable and transparent. So yeah. If this speaks to someone or someone you know, share the episode um, and just have the conversations early on, especially parents. Yeah. Like we're looking at ourselves in a different lens now, you know, us at that age versus us now. So yeah. much more responsibility. We're raising the next generation of children. Um, these conversations have to be had. So let's take a quick break and we're going to come get into y'all's business a little bit with our <laughs> listening letters. So let's go pay some bills and come back. All right, ladies, let's be real. Who here actually enjoys shaving their legs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. And get this, Nier, yes, Nier, the OG that I used for years, has now leveled up. And they have these new sensational shower creams and body creams that smell amazing. My personal favorite, coconut oil and vitamin E because it's gentle on my skin. And down to the body cream, rich cocoa butter and vitamin E body cream, which is a modern take on indulgent and classic femininity. Okay? It works in as little as three minutes, no nicks, no cuts, and the smooth skin lasts days longer than shaving. Nair's new sensational shower and body creams are free of all those nasty chemicals so you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin. Have a me-time moment with Nair, the number one hair removal brand. Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated Nair body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. There's power in every purchase because every time we buy a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. And y'all know I love my lip bar products. That's just one to name a few. There is a whole collection of black-led products that fit into your daily routine. Show Black Founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. That's right, y'all. Black Founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. That's right. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing Black-owned products you can add to your daily routine. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. 
I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, y'all, and we're rolling right into listener letters. All right. So y'all are continuing to write in, so we love you for that. Thank you so, 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 so much. Hi, family. First, I want you both to know how much of an inspiration you are to the culture. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Especially after speaking about what we spoke about. I know. This is the reason why we do it, y'all. Absolutely. So we love that. It's refreshing to see a couple love and support one another the way you do. So thank you for that example. Look at affirmations right out of we the back. We appreciate you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I'm a 29-year-old black woman, and I am in love with my best friend. Ooh, he's 29, 60 months older than me, and we met freshman year in college. After the last 12 years, we've been through so much together. Both went to the military after college. He has two beautiful babies, failed relationships, etc. And now we both find ourselves single and loving on each other. I wonder what that means. Mm -mm. Uh, yes, the feelings uh -huh. seem mutual, but I'm not sure if he sees me the way I see him. I'm a lover to the core. And when I love, I love hard. He's everything to me. He makes Ooh. me feel like I can accomplish anything and everything and still be his feminine woman, which isn't something that comes easy to me. Ooh. The problem is he broke things off with his son's mother around the middle of 2022 and and ever since then, it's been me and him. If I call, he's coming. If I need him, he's there. Mm. It's just that I feel as though he only does it because he's lonely. Mm. We talked about a committed relationship before, but I don't feel secure in how that conversation went. It seems like he wants to have me in this capacity and still be able to mingle. Uh -uh. <laughs> well. I don't know what to do or how to explain to him how I'm feeling because at the end of the day, I don't want to lose my best friend. That's tough. I love him and I know he loves me. Should I tell him how deep my love really runs for him or should I move on? Thanks in advance. How deep is your love for me? Mm. Tell, tell me, me what, what it's going, going to be. be. And you see yourself when I like me on a low note. 
Girl. It's easy, bro. Me speak. Speak your mind. Yeah, I was about to say, girl, I shot my shot and look at me now. Facts. Look at me now. And this is before I even thought DeVal was going to be my best friend, my yeah. person. Like, yeah. I don't even know if there's a word to describe like what you are to me, but you know, as close as we can get it to, you're my person, you're my best friend. Yes, and I just feel like you need to say how you feel because it also may be a thing too where he feels the same way and don't know what to and say. he doesn't know what to say. It's like, how do I get myself out of this friend zone situation? Yeah. You know? And sometimes people are purposely put in the friend zone situation because yeah. they know for sure they don't want anything more than that. But the fact that you two seem to have been kicking it for a long time, going through things that are very similar, he's gone astray. He's been out there. He had the babies yeah. and all that. And yeah. he's still there. He might just be waiting for you to make the move, sis. So now, I say shoot your shot. Curry. Now, Steph Curry. I Buckets, will say this, though. Swish. Wet. <laughs> wet. That's what I was going to get to. <laughs> he might be comfortable in that wet. Now, mm. you have a friend with benefits. Clearly, they're friends with benefits. She didn't say that they were intimate, but I'm getting intimacy here. Are you? I'm getting. Are you? Well, not, she said loving on each other. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Be more specific. Sis. That that may be cold word for she be dropping that thing on him, and mm-hmm. now they're comfortable being that. Now he may be comfortable being able to have his cake and eat it too, since he's mingling with other women, but still can get some consistency. But I feel like that's not working for you. Mm-hmm. So when you ask, should I say something? Are you comfortable in this situation? No. Mm-hmm. So since you're not comfortable, speak on it. Speak on it. Because for you sure. can't spend the rest of your life being a friend with benefits. Right. So that's true. If you're not comfortable now, what's the worst that could happen? You're no longer friends because he feels uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable anyway. Well, girl, you know half the battle is trying to keep someone's attention. And you said that whenever you call, he's coming. Facts. You know, whenever you ring, he's there. So that in itself already shows that them other chicks that he may be mingling with clearly don't mean that much to him. True, if he's leaving then, yeah, if he's you still know, mingling. You um, know, and he might have been coming out of these relationships and he called things off with his son's mother around the middle of 2022, so it hasn't even been a year yet, technically. Right. So he might be just kind of like seeing, you know, enjoying himself, being a little single for now. Yeah, which is cool. Which is fine, and he's entitled to do that. And then, you know, if you express that, and at least you'll have some clarity. I just hate yes. lack of clarity. That's what I was going to say. And then it gives you the choice to decide whether is something you want to continue to um, nurture as a friendship or if you feel like man this Facts. friendship may be prohibiting me from then opening myself up Facts. myself up to meeting someone else too because you may not want to be 29 and single forever right so if it's Facts. not gonna work out for y'all as that you might be able to then move forward saying all right well he's just gonna continue to be my friend so the wildest question you can ask is should I have a conversation about it? If you're thinking about it, have a conversation. You know like, we're going to tell you to have the conversation. Like there, there should be no conversation <laughs> that be that be gone unconversed. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, always have the conversation and be prepared for whatever response you get. Absolutely. Don't have the conversation expecting a certain response because mm-hmm. then you're going to be in for disappointment. Yes. Have the conversation and see where it goes. Absolutely. Good luck to you, sis. I hope it works out. Please hit me back and let me know like everything worked out because you know I like a (laughs) follow-up and a (laughs) follow-through. Number two. Hello. My name is Eunice from New Jersey. Kadeen and DeVal, I'm a huge fan of both of y'all and your podcast is awesome. Thank you, Eunice. I've been with my boyfriend for a decade and we both agree that we don't want to get married or have any children and we are completely okay with that. Both sides of our family are not being accepted of our decision, and it's making us not want to be around them no more. What should we do? P.S. I already pre-ordered your book. 
Thank you so much for pre-ordering our book. Thank you, Eunice. This is very simple. Do not tailor make your relationship to anyone else's uh, expectations because you will fail. Period. You will always fail at being what other people want you to be because you can only be what you want to be. This is very simple. You both agree that you don't want to get married and have kids, but you love each other and want to be around each other. Do what makes you happy until it doesn't make you happy anymore. Period. If it makes you happy to the end of time, stay that way. Don't let anybody else tell you that you have to get married or you have to have kids. That is not the case. Even us as a married couple who wrote a book called We Over Me about the advantages of being monogamous and married also believe that if two people agree that they don't want to be monogamous don't and be married it. and have kids, should live in their ultimate happiness. It's giving forced philanthropy and nobody wants to be <laughs> a forced philanthropist. Facts. Okay. Facts. Nobody want to force nobody to be of service to something that they don't want to be of service to. Facts. That's a surefire way to be setting yourself up for a life of misery. Facts. Do y'all, and if the family don't accept it, that's tough. They can make whatever decisions that they want because half the time those family members are living in misery as well. Facts. And they, you know, just want that for you as well because they like Facts. the company. Don't do it. Don't subscribe to it. Facts. Period. And, but, but have the conversation with the family like, yo, this is the last time I'm discussing this. <laughs> Facts. This is what we want from our life. And it doesn't matter what you say, what you do, how you say it, how you do it. We're going to do what's in the best interest of ourselves. Leave it alone. Period. That's it. Okay. Point blank period. If you'd like to be featured as one of our listener letters. Now, this is something we're going to force y'all to do. Not just kidding. <laughs> we're going to force y'all to write to us because we want to hear from you. Um, email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com. And you don't have to be like Eunice and give your name. But what you do need to do is please purchase our book. Absolutely. The hard copy, preferably. And that's D-E-A-D-A-S-S-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com. All right. Moment of truth time. So we're talking about um, We Over Me. From yes. the pages of our book, from the, pages of um, book. From the uh, depths of our heart, being able to yes. share this particular portion of our life with you guys. Ultimately, I just hope it helps someone. Like, that's my moment of truth. Um, I can't go back in the past and change a decision that was made. Right. And I'd like to think that um, the struggles that I've had with the decision that I did make, um, I was able to make peace with, with myself, with you, with God. Um, for a long time, I struggled with the idea that I would be punished in perpetuity and I would never have children one day. Yeah. Um, I remember you saying that. Yeah. I, I honestly felt like that was just it for me. And that decision was going to haunt me for the rest of my life in the worst way possible. And look how wrong you were. And look how wrong I was. Look how wrong I was. And I know there's a lot of women who struggle with that. Um, I know someone in particular that said she had one at 17 and she cannot have children to this day. And she feels like that's the reason why it's a punishment in perpetuity for a decision right. that she made when she was a child. Um, so I just hope that this can help someone. And if you've ever been in that position um, and you require healing, because it does require healing, um, I just hope that you, if you don't have the support that you need, that you find it, um, that you're able to overcome it and that you're able to share and feel confident in sharing your story without shame and judgment because it's necessary to have these conversations. Absolutely. Uh, my moment of truth is simple. The greatest gift you can give anyone is to inspire them to be better than they were yesterday. And through We Over Me, we are hoping to inspire as many people as we can to mm -hmm. just be better humans so that the world can be a better place. That's a fact. 
All right, y'all. Be sure to uh, follow us on Patreon if you have not signed up yet and subscribed. We have so much good exclusive content for y'all. You're going to see the Deadass Podcast live shows in its full entirety, extended episodes, extended clips where we have rehashes and we chat with the crew after each episode. Absolutely. Extended stuff with the family. You'll see more of the boys. So be sure to sign up there. And if you're not following the podcast page yet, please do so on social media at Deadass the Podcast. And you can find me at Kadena. I am on Instagram and TikTok. And I am Deval. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and go right now and purchase We Over Me, the hard copy, baby. That's I am it. manifesting New York Times bestseller. We need your help. We love, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Thank y'all so much, man. Do that for us. We'll see y'all next time. Peace. That ass. Oh, who's coming on the book tour? Come on through. Oh, that's right. Come we do have a book signed. tour. See y'all in a little bit. Come see him. Tell him, Roe. <laughs> Tell him, Roe. Roe said, peace, peace. y'all. <laughs> Dead Ass is a production of iHeartMedia Podcast Network and is produced by Denora Pena and Tribble. Follow the podcast on social media at Dead Ass the Podcast and never miss a thing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com. It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. One at Flatiron Plaza in New York City and one at Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's a perfect time to try, like, and share Black-led products. It's free for everyone and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with Black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it.